The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Hey friends, thank you for joining us this morning. We are so excited to join you in worship from wherever you are in your living room, outside. We are just so excited to be here with you and we um, want to welcome you as we join together this morning. Please pray with me. God, we thank you for each person um, and each family that is joining together in worship this morning. We thank you for their walks and their stories and where they're coming to meet with each other and meet with you um, today. We pray that you meet us here and that your presence is sensed in our spaces where we are connecting with you. Um, In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Trust you. 
trust him how i proved him more and oh jesus jesus precious jesus oh for grace to trust him more
I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. Call to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. find thy power and thine alone can change the leper spots and melt the heart of stone Jesus paid it all all to him I owe sin had left a crimson stain Washed it white as snow And when before the throne I stand in Him complete Jesus died, my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe, sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as Friends, may I invite you now to continue in worship as we bring our offering. Please join me in this offertory prayer. God, our provider and sustainer, you bind all of creation together, every molecule a gift from your hand. The life and love of Jesus 
display the power of generosity. Two fish and five loaves, magnified to feed thousands. We give because we belong to you and to one another. We give trusting that you will use these gifts to do what none of us can do alone. We open our hands in joy and hope. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ecclesia, it's my privilege to get to say thank you again for your incredible generosity as we serve vulnerable people both abroad and here in Houston. Globally, we get to support sisters and brothers in Argentina as well as Venezuela. And here in Houston, we get to support those who are hungry and who live in tents or are homeless living on the streets. And it is through that generosity that we get to be consistent. And I wanna share just a little bit about one of the people who depends on this hot and nutritious meal three times a week. She's a woman who's been in our community for about a year now. She lives in a tent near Central Library. And she's also a University of Houston student. And so through living in a tent through COVID, she is still going to classes and trying to earn her degree. And she is one of the people that we get to help three times a week with a hot meal. So we do ask that you would continue your generosity by simply texting to give at 84321. As Chris mentioned last week, we are shifting the way that we are providing these hot and nutritious meals to our hungry sisters and brothers. We're entering a season where we partner with local Houston restaurants to provide those meals. If you would be interested in sponsoring 120 meals once a week, twice a week, three times a week. We would welcome that thoughtfulness, kindness, and generosity. And you can email lauren at ecclesiahouston.org. I now get to share with you our We're Gonna Make It Through award winner for this week. And that person is Priscilla Kwan. It's extra special for me to get to share about Priscilla because I've known her a long time. In fact, she was one of my middle school Sunday school teachers and continued to be a mentor to me through high school and college and beyond. Also, she and my husband Jerry have been pals since they were four years old. But back to Priscilla. Priscilla has been part of our Ecclesia community for over 10 years now, serving in a variety of capacities, from small group leader, to communion server, to greeter, to prayer team. So many different ways that she has loved and served the people in our community. And one thing that she got really involved in was Simple Feast, providing amazing food once, sometimes twice a month for our homeless brothers and sisters. And even in this new season, Priscilla is continuing to provide homemade food 
for our hot meals that we give to our hungry brothers and sisters. And so Priscilla, we say thank you for going above and beyond in this season. And I want to briefly mention some words from the person that nominated Priscilla. This person said, we knew Priscilla's name long before we ever met her when we became connected to Simple Feast over five years ago. She has always had an enormous amount of generosity, kindness, and love for this community. Love her giving and serving heart. And Priscilla, we also thank you for the so many masks that you have made for different people who are vulnerable in this community. We continue to be able to be generous and give them out to people in need. Thanks again. And Ecclesia, if you have someone that you would like to nominate, please email Lauren at EcclesiaHouston.org. It's been really encouraging to learn that some of you are discovering our Ecclesia for the first time in this new season that we're all in. And we want to connect with you. We want to be able to answer questions that you have, share with you about the different ways that you can connect further with our community, and also offer prayer for you if that's something that you're needing right now. And so if you would like to connect with us, please text Ecclesia Connect to 94090. We are looking forward to figuring out ways how we can serve you. And now it's my delight to introduce Erica Graham, who's going to be sharing our message today with us. Good morning, Ecclesia. Let's pray. Dear God, as we set aside time on this Sunday morning to connect with you, we pray that we will discover your wisdom and truth in scripture today. In your name we pray, amen. Ecclesia, like many of you, I have thought long and hard about what to say this month. I have learned that following the leaders already doing the work of racial justice is much more wise and responsible than centering my voice and my feelings. And this is why Ecclesia came out with a resource list of podcasts and videos and books for us to read so, so that we could amplify the voices already doing this work. The work of justice, after all, is nothing new. Even if some of us feel rather new to some of these conversations. Our very own teaching pastor, Sean Palmer, is leading a class that many of you listening right now are taking. And the reason I know that is because I myself am a student in this class. And in this class, as a community, we are reading a book called The Color of Compromise by Jamar Tisby. In the book, Tisby sheds light on the reality that history demonstrates that racism doesn't just go away. He says that it adapts. It adapts to the newer and modern systems of today, and that's why we call it systemic. And I got thinking, isn't that true for the survival of all things? I mean, the survival of good things require adaptation as well. I had this friend a couple years ago who had left a community and she said that her faith had evolved. 
And I remember I didn't really like that saying. It felt to me like if your faith had evolved that maybe you thought you were more enlightened than other people. Or maybe you thought that you were more wise or that a childlike faith wasn't as good. And I took a leadership class from my friend Judy Lee and she redefined the word evolve and attached it to the theory of evolution. And, and she stressed that in order for something to survive, it requires adaptation. And that made me really realize that an evolved faith is not a faith that is better. It's a faith that is able to survive. And my guess is that many of you are either in a period right now where your faith is evolving and adapting so that it can survive, or maybe you've gone through this before and your faith evolved years ago into something that you might not recognize as a child because it had to change to survive. In the leadership class that I took from my friend Judy Lee, she used an example from the pandemic and she, she is homeschooling her children right now and she told them, you know, school's not gonna be the same. We have to adapt but the value of learning will never change. And I think about this with Ecclesia. You know, it wasn't survival of the strongest church during the pandemic. In order for Ecclesia to survive as a community, we had to adapt. It's why you're watching this service online and not in our buildings. It's why on Mother's Day and Father's Day, we were able to gather in a socially distanced and responsible way but a lot had to change in order for that to happen. And so I think of all the way that our community has come together to adapt to these modern times. And at the same time, so much remains the same. Our core values as Ecclesians don't change. The values of justice, grace, community, these things have not changed at all. In fact, right now is the time to double down on these values and maybe even admit our complacency and our failure to uphold them. Pandemics aren't a time to regress. They're a time to reimagine the ways that we can adapt and survive and imagine possibilities for the future. Because in the middle of all this change, both within our country and our church, the Bible reminds us that the wisdom and values of Christianity are ancient. The desire for our God to hear our prayers is ancient as well. As many of you know, I'm in seminary right now and I just finished a class on the Psalms. And a lot of times when we read the Bible in an academic setting, we'll talk about the author and the genre and the context and the audience. And one thing that I love about the Psalms is that we're invited to read them as poetry. The psalmists were creative, artistic poets. And for many of us, the Psalms are deeply visceral and emotional, and there's something that humanity can connect to 2,000 years later. The Psalms remind us that while so much has changed, 
And so much adaptation has occurred in modern times. A lot of ancient wisdom remains the same. And the Psalms are often a call out for God to hear our prayers or even hear our cries. And I'm reminded of this truth that our God is a God that hears us. When I think back to my childhood church, you see, the church that I grew up in was the small UCC church in McFarland, Wisconsin. And once a month, we would have a community prayer. And that was in the middle of the service, members would stand up and they would share something from their lives. So they might say, I would like to pray for my Aunt Mary, who has breast cancer. And as a community, we would all reply, Lord, hear our prayer. And I always loved that part of the service. I loved it maybe because I was a little bit nosy and I wanted to hear what our entire church was going through. I loved it because there was something beautiful and communal about hearing from everybody and praying together, requesting that God just hear us. I also loved this part because it was easy to memorize in the bulletin, Lord, hear our prayer. And by that point in the service, my grandma usually gave me trident gum and I normally stuck it in the middle of the bulletin and I couldn't open it back up anyways. So I could memorize Lord hear our prayer for 10 minutes. But when I read the Psalms today, this ancient text, I'm reminded that God not only hears our prayers, but he hears our cries as well. You know, the Psalms can be categorized into all different kinds of categories. And I actually, this was one of my textbooks for class. It's the Oxford Handbook of Psalms. And this goes over all the different kinds of genres and criticisms on the Psalms. And Psalms of Lament were a type of Psalm that I was particularly drawn to. Lament is defined as a noun as a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. As a verb, it's described as mourning, perhaps a person's death, and used in a sentence, he was lamenting the death of his infant daughter. So that's what it means to lament. Psalm 88 is known as one of the most tragic psalms. There's a reason that a lot of pastors shy away from using Psalm 88 because it doesn't offer a lot of optimism. But I think the Psalms of Lament are some of the holiest Psalms of them all. Psalm 88 begins with a crying out at night. Have you ever noticed that everything is worse at night? Like anxiety, depression, doubt, fear. Oftentimes at night, it's the worst. And I think that Psalm 88 was intentional about beginning the Psalm at night. Psalm 88 reads, O Lord, God of my salvation, when at night I cry out in your presence, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. In fact, Psalm 88 is one of the only psalms in the Psalter that exhibits no shift to thanksgiving, no vow to praise God. It's pure crying out pure despair, 
suffering and grief. Lots of Psalms end with a kind of Christian hope that we're familiar with as Christians, the kind of hope that resurrection brings. But Psalm 88 doesn't end with that kind of hope. In fact, Psalm 88 ends exactly like this. Since the days of my youth, I have been sick and close to death. My helpless soul has suffered your silent horrors. Now I am desperate. Your rage spills over me like rivers on fire. Your assaults have all but destroyed me. They surround me like a flood, rising throughout the day, closing in from every direction. You have taken from me the one thing I love and my friend, even the light of my acquaintances, are darkness. And so it ends, even the light of my acquaintances are darkness. And I debated on whether to use this psalm today because it is so full of grief and despair and crying out. But I think the Psalms of Lament serves as reminders that feelings of despair, discomfort, depression, loneliness, grief, and even anger, they can be traced back to ancient times. And while so much has changed and adapted for survival, these Psalms remind us that no matter what time in history we are going through, we can trace our emotions back to ancient times. It amazes me how relevant the Bible is today. We often talk about things that have changed, but the wonder and awe of the Bible for me is how much remains the same. And these deep Psalms are invitations for us to feel the, what we often label as negative emotions. Because even those kinds of emotions serve a great purpose. You know, one of the books that was recommended on Ecclesia's reading list for us to read is a book by Austin Channing Brown. I highly recommend it. And in this book, Austin Channing Brown says, anger is not inherently destructive. My anger can be a force for good. My anger can be creative and imaginative, seeing a better world that doesn't yet exist. It can fuel a righteous movement towards justice and freedom. I don't need to fear my own anger. And I think the Psalms of Lament remind us that we don't need to fear the darkness, the despair, the pain, the suffering, we need to use it as fuel for revolutions. We need to use it as change because it is this kind of transformative pain that these Psalms offer us, a solidarity from 2000 years ago that what we're feeling matters and that our Lord hears not just our prayers, but our cries too. Our cries, our anger, it's holy. And Psalm 88 reminds us of that. So I believe all the Psalms of Lament, and all the Psalms for that matter, can offer us a connection to our ancient history that we desperately need right now. They can serve as a reminder that these ranges of emotions that we experience as humans, not only are they not shameful, but they can be good and holy and true. 
if we can live into the possibilities of the future and dig down deep into our core values as Ecclesians of justice, community, peace, truth, and seeking beauty in all things. Ecclesia, let me pray with you. Dear God, I pray that as we walk into our unknown futures, that we will remember that you are a God who hears our cries. You care about our despair. And even if we don't feel an optimism or hope at the end, we know that you are always with us. We trust that our pain and our cries will feel the kind of change that you want reflected in your kingdom. We pray that our faith will adapt so that it can survive the challenging times in our lives. And we also pray that we will be more aware of the systemic adaptations we make for racism to survive and that we can undo some of those consciously as a community and as we walk closer with you in Christ, we pray. Amen. Friends, as we prepare our hearts to come to the communion table, please join me in this confession prayer together. Lord, we confess our bushel baskets. You have given us each a light. You, Lord, indwell us and fill us and invite us to bring light to the darkness. Yet too many of us have withdrawn to our homes and put our light under a bushel basket. We have shuttered your light within us. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. We confess our silence. We have seen injustice that grieves us, but we have not spoken up. We confess our choice of safety over engagement. We have not been moved to action. We have not sought out the stories of those who are different from us. We have been indifferent to the suffering of others. At times, outrage has welled within us, but we have swallowed it down. We have become numb to the news. We dissociate and distract ourselves from the brokenness all around us. We have shuttered your light within us. Lord, in your mercy, draw us back to the cross. Even in all of our failures, all of our sin, you love us. You have redeemed us. You invite us to receive again your grace, your steadfast love. So today we begin again. Your light warms within us, brightening, glowing. We lift off our baskets and we set them on the floor. For the light shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. Amen. And now friends, we come back to the table where we remember again the story of Jesus and his love for us and his redemption of us. We remember how the night before he went to the cross, he gathered with his friends and his disciples and they ate the Passover meal together. And as they ate the meal, Jesus took bread and he blessed God and he broke the bread and he offered it to his friends. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Whenever you eat this, do this in remembrance of me. And then they ate the meal and he took a cup of wine. And again, he blessed God. 
And as he offered it to his friends, he said something new. He said, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. And so we remember Jesus. We look back on his life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension, all of which are acts of love on our behalf. But we also look forward and we anticipate the heavenly banquet feast where we will get to feast eternally with our God. So Lord, this day, may this bread and juice and wine, whatever we have gathered in our homes, may it be for us a taste of our place at your table as your beloved daughters, your beloved sons. We pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So friends, with whatever you have gathered in your homes, today I've got a, an English muffin, but whatever you have gathered, uh, may it be for you the body of Christ broken. And may whatever you have to share be the blood of Christ shed for you. Friends, let's feast and celebrate together. Amen. Your labor is not in vain Though the ground underneath you is cursed and stained You're planting and reaping, you're never the same Your labor is not in vain Your labor is not unknown rocks they cry out and the sea it may grow the place of your toil may not seem like a home your labor is not unknown for i am with you i am
Ecclesia, as we gather at this particular portion of our service, we want to speak a blessing to our children. It may be that you have children at home, or you may be like me that your children are grown and they have children of their own. And so at this time, I would like to pray a blessing upon them. Father, I thank you for our children. I thank you for the lives that you have entrusted them with us. And Lord, I pray that for Christopher and for Timothy. I pray for their sons, I pray for their daughters, and I pray that they would prosper and that they would flourish during this time. I ask you that they would follow you all the days of their life. And I pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our benediction is from German poet Rainer Maria Rilke's Sonnets to Orpheus. You who let yourselves feel, enter the breathing that is more than your own. Let it brush your cheeks as it divides and rejoins beside you. Blessed ones, whole ones, you where the heart begins, you are the bow that shoots the arrows and you are the target. Fear not the pain, let its weight fall back into the earth. For heavy are the mountains, heavy the seas. The trees you planted in childhood have grown too heavy. You cannot bring them along. Give yourselves to the air, to what you cannot hold. So join me, Ecclesia, once more in declaring, God, we trust you. So much that we cannot hold, we were never meant to. But you hold it all. May your breath be to us this week spaciousness and lightness that we would feel ourselves push against the gravity of this world. Breathe deeply, brothers and sisters, in gratitude and hope. Dwell in peace. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.